Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like setting boundaries with our parents, wanting a breakup reparation, (laughs) and standing by someone through a crisis. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed therapists or mental health practitioners. We are just two English majors who really like to talk about feelings. (laughs) That is... (laughs) The the best summary I've heard of us ever. Like it just it's just perfect. That's it. Um, yeah, Sam and I are not professionals. This is your warning that we don't know what we're talking about. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings, so please shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Before we dive into this week's check-in topic, Sam and I have a super awesome. Uh, what do we have? An announcement to make. (laughs) We have a great announcement to make. And that is in basically a month, we are doing our next virtual live show in honor of Valentine's Day. The very like confusing holiday. Do you like Valentine's Day? I can't even remember. Like, I know we've talked about this. Yeah. So you don't like Valentine's Day. Definitely not into Valentine's Day. (laughs) Um, Personally, right? Like you do you if it's like a good holiday for you. But for me, it's like. No, <laughs> this I isn't mean, it. I think uh, it's fine. <laughs> I like getting, <laughs> I like getting gifts. Um, I hate feeling lonely, so <laughs> I feel like it's a little mm-hmm. bit of a mixed bag. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Sam and I are going to do a Valentine's Day virtual live show on Saturday, February not seventeenth, thirteenth. What am I doing? February thirteenth um, at six p.m. Central. That's seven p.m. Eastern. It's five dollars, mm-hmm. and you can get your tickets now at JustBreakUpPod.com. Um, it's going to be great. We're going to answer our letters, your letters, as usual. We might have a special guest, um, and this way we can all spend Valentine's Day, which could be a potentially triggering weekend, um, together. Mm-hmm. It'll be lovely. Absolutely. And you'll get it's to also s- go ahead. Paul F. Tompkins and Lauren Lapkus are doing a competing show with us, so it's important to me that we win. Oh my god, we are not. You know, we're not going to win. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to like set your goals to a reasonable level. Um, but uh, yeah, and and the show I forgot to say this. Obviously, it's virtual. But uh, Sam and I will be on Zoom, but it will be live streamed through YouTube. So get your tickets now for Saturday, February 13th at JustBreakUpPod.com. So the check-in topic for this week is inspired by a DM that I got a couple weeks ago. So sorry, this is late. (laughs) But the person was writing basically um, their partner and them broke up, but they're living together. And uh, mm-hmm. the person who wrote me was like, or wrote us said, we, I can't move out for like at least another month because I need money. Like I, I just can't mm-hmm. viably move out. Any tips on how to live with an ex after a breakup? And I thought I could turn to my good old best friend and co-host, Sam Blackwell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's real. Um, I couldn't afford to move on my own for two years after I broke up with someone. So... Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm, no, you guys just it. transitioned from exes to roommates, but like 
you know, you would repeatedly say that wasn't like the best life choice you made. (laughs) It was a horrible life choice, but also I had no money and like I couldn't live by myself. (laughs) Well, and I think last week or two weeks ago, we answered a letter in which we talked about um, potentially moving in with a friend with benefits situation. And we, we like called out the very human instinct to ignore maybe, maybe long-term negative (laughs) ramifications um, Mm -hmm. in, in lieu of uh, like more immediate ones, you know, mm-hmm. and that is not to like undermine actually not having enough money to to like you know move in. So many times in my life, I have made a more harmful choice for myself because of uh, money, you know, because of yep. not being able yep. to afford it. So obviously, a very understandable experience. But in this situation, like the DM, the DMers. They said, you know, like they broke up, they can't move out yet. They will, they're going to, they're not going to become roommates like you did. Um, but how do, how do, how do we live in that interim? Like what boundaries should we put up? Um, basically like, how do you live with the next until you don't anymore? Yeah. Right. Um, and this is like also especially hard because of COVID I know. too, I know. right? Like the pandemic. Because it's like, my advice would be like, oh, just spend as little time in the apartment as possible. But it's like, that's not really an option when that's, we're being told to stay at home. I had the exact same thought. I was like, okay, go to the gym, go to the bar, go to your friend's house. And then I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. God. (laughs) (laughs) None of those things are available. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that in lieu of being able to like leave the apartment and spend significant time elsewhere. I mean, one of the options is, is like you could go stay with a friend and like do it as smartly as possible, right? Right. Like try and make that bubble work as much as possible. Um, you could do that. But if you can't, if that's not an option either, because of the realities of this awful pandemic that we're in, um, whatever you can do to, to create as much physical space Mm -hmm. between you two, I think is going to be helpful. Um, whether that is like, you literally divide up what rooms you both have access to, right? And and say like, okay, I'm conceding the bedroom to you, but that means that I get the the living, living room. room. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you have like a spare bedroom, don't know if that's your situation, like literally moving out of the bedroom. Um, because the I think the physical proximity to this person is going to like make you very anxious, or at least it would make me super anxious to have to be constantly like wondering how this person is feeling and how they're reacting and like having to be in the same space with them. Um, and also like physical space is important so that you don't <laughs> continue mm-hmm. to be in a relationship while you're broken up. I, the first thing on my list is, is stop sleeping in the same bed. <laughs> oh, hundred yeah. percent. Like mm-hmm. I know that the couch is not as comfortable, but that temporary physical discomfort is, will be worth it in, in, in opposition to the longer emotional ramifications of the intimacy of sleeping together. Yes. Agreed. I mean, those would be my like two pieces yeah, of advice. Totally. Like the, I think the physical space stuff, but then also I think forgive yourself or give yourself grace for not having perfectly clear boundaries immediately. Right. Like this is a very, it's going to be clunky. Yeah, it's a messy situation, right? So that means that we as messy humans in messy situations are going to behave messily, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that's the reality. And so um, if you are not at a point where it's like a hard, clean breakup, 
Right. It's it's okay, right? Like yeah. that doesn't mean that you can't when you move out have a hard clean breakup and it doesn't mean that you're like being an awful person or like not being a strong person. Like breakups are hard enough already and add to the mix all of this messiness around living together and this situation in the pandemic. Like I think it's okay to be like we slept together still or like, you know, mm-hmm. like we broke up, but we still like acted like we were dating. Cause like literally I couldn't leave the house like that. Mm, that's a that great is point. fine. So just like give yourself a little bit of grace and forgiveness for the fact that this, this might not be the hard clean breakup that you want it to be, but that doesn't, that doesn't preclude a hard clean breakup when you have the physical when space to be to able be. to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I would just add to uh, like, don't worry about, you know, kind of extending of what you were just saying, Sam, don't worry about dividing up your property or your, your belongings. You know, if you guys have like shared belongings or whatever, mm-hmm. don't worry about that until the move is imminent because you're already in a really stressful situation in a high anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, ha- like high trigger zone, I would say. And maybe you don't want to argue about like who gets the TV when you have to live with them or her or them for like another three weeks. Like maybe, maybe we can postpone that conversation. Our anxiety wants to tell us that that stuff needs to happen right away because Mm -hmm. the world is going to implode if we don't know who's going to take the TV, but it's not that, that the anxiety is lying to you. So like, remember like what you need to deal with right now is honestly your mental health. Right. And it's, and it's, you also have to deal with relatedly, like how you are, taking care of your stress, which leads me to Mm. my final point. Now is probably not the best time to start dating or online dating. (laughs) Um, And I mean that as like a really loving (laughs) reminder, because Mm. I know that when I was like dumped or went through a breakup a week in, I'm like, well, hello, Tinder, you know, because (laughs) it's distracting. I'm stressed out. I'm sad. I'm lonely. Right. I mm-hmm. want to distract myself. I want to affirm myself or, or, or whatever. I want to like believe in love again, which I'm definitely going to find on Tinder. Am I right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but thinking about it, like that, that itch that you want to scratch, that discomfort that you want to smother, it's, it's, that's just a temporary fix. And it's actually a pretty unhealthy temporary fix in this moment because mm-hmm. A, we're in a pandemic, but two, B, you're, I'm not saying you don't deserve to move on. I don't want to shame anyone for that decision or that choice. But I think it's our first instinct to like smother our discomfort instead of like listening to it or mm. or trying to like trying to um, what instead of smothering the discomfort, what's going to fill up your well of inner resilience? What's going to fill up your well of self-love, right? What do what can mm-hmm. you what can you do for yourself, not what other people can do for you and your discomfort right now? Um, mm-hmm. again, I don't I'm not move I I don't have judgment in me about people who move on quickly. I don't I just think like we are too messy of human beings to like actually care about those timelines um or like have them mean something more than they do. Um, but it will, plus if you start dating or like, what if your ex started dating and then they like yeah. wanted to bring somebody home? Like it's, it's, you just have to think like the reward is not worth the consequences, you know, <laughs> for these next four weeks or whatever, you know, that being said, if you have, if you are 
stuck in a living situation in which you have to be with somebody for like, you have to like be in that house for three months or whatever. I get it. I would have a hard, if, if it extended past a couple months, I would have a hard time upholding that boundary. For sure. Um, because then you're like, the, we're dating. <laughs> we're fake yeah. dating. <laughs> I think at the very least, you should establish with your ex a no visitors rule. Yes. <laughs> um, like you can't that's, bring, that's you totally can't bring people mm-hmm. that you're, you're, you're going to hook up with into the house. So what um, was, can I ask what that was like? For you yeah, we had a we had a no hookup rule. We had a no like no overnight guests rule for two years. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I'm yeah, <laughs> here's the thing, y'all. I didn't date anyone else in that two years. So like, <laughs> because this person probably because took I up too like, much space in your life. Yeah, I was like basically dating this man without actually dating. Yeah. Him. Um. Yeah, I mean that's I dated one person during yeah, that time, yeah, and it yeah, lasted yeah. like. A month or something. It's okay. That my ex broke up with me. If you just want like a palate cleanser, <laughs> <laughs> that made you feel better, Perfect. right? <laughs> yes. One more thing. Um, I also just want to make sure that even though money can be really tight and and you know like uplifting, uprooting your life for a couple weeks can be really uncomfortable. I would also just like in closing. Just make sure you have tapped out all your resources in terms of like friends or family members or coworkers or whatever that you could potentially crash with, you know, like stay on their couch for a week or two weeks or whatever, even though it's probably it's like very uncomfortable to uproot your life in that way. But I think that the the ultimate boundary of physical separation is is crucial for the beginning of the healing process. So Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not here like doubting the fact that you can't move out, but I just want to make sure we're prioritizing that in any way we can find it. And then we decide, okay, how, how do I have to stay with this person for the next four weeks? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's real. And I think, you know, I talked a bit about, about giving yourself grace around um, sort of the messiness of the situation, but I also don't want that to, I want to say that and boundaries are going to be super important in this situation, even if they're really hard to maintain Mm, right now. So, so whatever, you know, you are not a limitless resource in terms of like the energy and ability to be able to maintain boundaries, right? Like we are all, we all only have so much capacity to do that, especially in really stressful situations, Mm -hmm. but whatever you can do to maintain emotional and physical space from this person is going to be important, right? It's going to help you in the long run, recognize that you can't like immediately do that, but whatever you can do, however you can do that small ways, big ways, um, is going to be, I think helpful for you in the long run Yeah. while also recognizing that you're in a sticky situation. And, and so you have to forgive yourself if, if those boundaries don't maintain themselves as as much as you would like to, if you weren't living with this person. Totally. All right. Well, I don't remember the name of the DM or, but like, good luck <laughs> to anybody out there who's experiencing this. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Do it for as little a time as possible. Like two years is too many years. <laughs> yeah. I was just daydreaming <laughs> about like, um, you know, times in which I've had, I had to like ca- crash on people's couches and how even when I'm doing like your it, whole twenties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, hope you feel better. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, but I was thinking about like, you know, or like when I used to come to Minneapolis for a couple weeks at a time so we could do like bulk recording, I would split mm-hmm. it up so that I would stay at one friend's house for like five days and then another for five days. And then I got an Airbnb for like three or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So that allowed me, you know, it was it was a pain in the ass to pack up my clothes every time and my toiletries and whatever but um it it still gave me a sense of agency and autonomy which is something Mm -hmm. else that's really crucial when we're dealing with breakups anyway let's get into our first letter all right let's do it all right this first letter is from father probs who is writing to us from new york Hi, Sam and Sierra. I've been listening for a while now, and I've noticed many writers reach out to you about relationships that have gone cold. There's been a betrayal of trust or something awful that's happened between them and another person. What do you do if a person you love is too much of the other way, i.e. smothering and overbearing? I occasionally run into this with my father. I love him so much, and I know there are so many people who would give anything to be on the receiving end of paternal attention, financial help, gift-giving, etc. But sometimes that love comes with a little invisible string attached. Not monetary, but more of an unspoken contract of, I did this for you, so now you must do things my way. Often... If I don't mirror this in the way that my dad sees fit, he becomes indignant, annoyed, and makes me feel like I'm somehow ungrateful for the things he does, even though these acts of service are often foisted? Foisted. Is that a word? Yes. Learn things every day. Foisted upon me. (laughs) Foisted upon me. I rarely ask for his explicit help, although I do value his advice. A recent example was how he wanted to pay to fix my car, which was a significant amount of money. Sounds great, right? Well, that involved me getting up unnecessarily early because he wanted us to be the first ones there, going to get it fixed where he wanted to, picking it up together on the day he chose, and so on. Writing it out doesn't sound that bad, but ultimately, if I ever said no to these requests, I think it did it disappoints him because the real issue is he just wants to spend time with his adult daughter. I love that. In fact, I happily visit him and my mom, less so now with COVID, but I think that sometimes he feels that these are his primary ways to show his love. For the record, my love language is words of affirmation, something I notably did not get a lot of from him growing up. How can I set better and clearer boundaries with my dad? I'm conflicted because I know he won't be around forever, and part of me thinks I just need to soak up as much time with him as I can and stop complaining. Thank you. Mm. All right, Father Prabs. Um, I think this is a really interesting letter, um, and it's also a relationship that I relate to. Um, I I feel comparably with my father, um, not in the way that he shows his love, but just that this that, that, that there's this unspoken uh, expectation from him for me to do things his way, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, or if I don't do things his way, or don't, or if I disagree with him, or whatever, um, it becomes an affront to him that it is mm-hmm. it's an offense to all of the ways he loves me, or whatever. I also agree. I also feel kindred with this because I have a, a good relationship with my dad. I love him a lot. And I relate to your what you wrote about feeling like, well, I have a limited amount of time with him. So how do I deal with this 
it's almost like a sense of like, um, this is not this relationship, even though it's on the surface positive, it um, makes me feel as though I'm not showing up in my most authentic way because sure. I'm always doing things on his terms um, to, you know, and not, not like causing that upset, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel, do you have any relationships like this that you relate to or, or this sensation? I do. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've had similar situations, particularly with my dad around mm-hmm. sort of how he wanted to show up when I asked for help. Um, mm-hmm. um, not, I don't think to the extent that you're experiencing this, um, father probs, but I, I also think that like probably a lot of people relate to this on like some level, mm-hmm. maybe not as extreme as how you are feeling it. But, but I think our relationships with our parents can sometimes be fraught because especially as we, as we move into adulthood, right. The, the dynamics of the relationship change and wow, yes. like, and like, I, sometimes I have to remind myself that like <laughs> my parents are all are also experiencing this with me newly, right? Like I'm not their I'm their mm. second child, but I'm like it's not like they've gone through like multiple iterations of children and like know how to handle how to be in relationship with an adult child. <laughs> like wow. this is their first time too. Um and so they come at it in the best way that they can, but sometimes it's not the most helpful way. Um so I think I think what I would recommend for you, um father probs is to recognize that like, even if your dad is doing something nice for you, you can still be annoyed with him, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you are allowed to be annoyed with the fact that he's forcing you to do these things. He's doing this kindness with you, but also forcing you to do things his way, right? Like both of those emotions of gratitude and annoyance can be true at the same time. And you are allowed to be annoyed. Like you, you, you have, permission to do that yeah even if it feels like your dad isn't letting you but like you your annoyance isn't ungratefulness because both of those emotions are existing in within you at the same time i think that's so profound to point out because we think we think collectively (laughs) that Mm -hmm. you cannot have you can only be wholly grateful in a pure and like um unblemished way that's not true. That's not true. Gratitude can exist <laughs> alongside so many other quote unquote negative emotions. Fuck, man. My I was just thinking about this the other day. My most toxic, most abusive ex. I'm grateful. I'm fucking grateful <laughs> for some of the things that I learned in that relationship from her. The audacity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> the audacity of my brain, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, the audacity of being a human that has complex emotions that aren't just like point to the emoji yeah. on the on the board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I totally agree. And I also think um, I guess the best way I can relate to this letter, like I said, is through my own relationship. Um, Father Probs. And for me, I think I think you're going to connect to this for me. Um, what I learned either in my own like self-help work or therapy or, or just through life is that like, I always felt like there was this like dissonance in this, in my parental relationship that I was never being my fully authentic self that like we were never Mm -hmm. reaching. I didn't know how to have the the boundaries that you're asking about. Like I was like, I don't know. I either like we blow up and have a huge fight or I have to do everything he says in his way. But then I'm like, oh my God, he's going to, 
he I'm only going to have this amount of time with him. Like, you know, I got to be grateful. Like Sam said, um, I felt a lot of like conflict in me. Um, but doing my head and heart work about this relationship made me realize that one, a big thing that I learned in therapy is my dad has a, I'm, I'm, I have like a unhealthy fear of my father's anger still in mm-hmm. adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned in therapy that my dad has an inherent right to his anger, that, that that right is inherent to his humanness. And mm-hmm. even if I disagree with it, I don't get to determine what my father's emotional reactions to the world are. You know, that he has a right to yeah. it the same way that I have a right to my anger and you have a right to your annoyance. And your dad has, Father Prab, your dad has a right to his potentially problematic you know, like understanding of the give and takes of love, right? To mm-hmm. me, it sounds like your dad under like wants to love you so much, <laughs> but that he might have a weird conflation of love and like bartering, you know, but he has, a, he has a right to all of that. And I share this because it made me realize once I, once I realized that my dad had a right to his anger and that I could never truly and wholly prevent it, it it made me realize that the boundaries that I were that I was seeking weren't actually they were like ninety percent in my heart and ten percent mm. in action. Like that they yeah. were that the boundaries that I needed to feel rectified and empowered in my relationship with my father, a relationship like yours that I wanted to sustain, that I was grateful for, that I that I felt benefit from, that I needed to change my understanding of how he could hurt me or how, or what he could take from me that like I needed to put up boundaries in my heart knowing that like, okay, well, if my dad gets angry, that's his, I didn't cause that. That's his, he's choosing that anger. Right. And he has a right to it. Or, mm-hmm. or, you know, if my dad can only interact with me, my dad's very particular. And so if he can only interact with me with me in X, Y, and Z ways, um, I'm going to choose to participate participate with him and this relationship on those terms, but that doesn't mean I'm being inauthentic to me to myself because I'm choosing those terms with the understanding right. that in my heart I have peace and in my heart I have my own bar- boundaries. In my family, in my house, I have I'm I'm maintaining all of the things I care about. In this in this particular relationship, I'm choosing how to interact with him so that it sustains a relationship I care about in a way that doesn't betray myself to myself. And one more mm-hmm. thing I want to say is like along the same line lines to you Father Prab, you get to determine your truth. AKA you get to determine whether you're grateful or not for his his love and generosity. You're grateful. <laughs> True. Just because someone does something nice for us doesn't mean that we are obligated to feel grateful for it. Right. right? Like we, we don't have to like, there are, there are ways in which nice things that people do for us are, are actually more harmful than them not doing it. And so this, I think that this like reflex that we have of like, Oh, he was just trying to be nice. I should be grateful. is like, is definitely learned, but it doesn't have to, doesn't have to work that way. Right. Just because something does something nice doesn't mean that you have to accept it wholeheartedly and be thankful for it. Right. I, and it's so funny cause I was actually thinking about it in another way, but I, I totally agree with that as well. I was thinking like, you know, it sounds like he needs to feel your gratitude in a particular way. 
like that he mm. that his love language or his his understanding of gratitude is to see you enact his what he what he needs you to do right it needs to be at his car shop it needs to be at this time on his schedule right but mm-hmm. even if you don't do those things and he's like you're not grateful or he gives you that indignant response in your heart, you can still, no, I'm a hundred percent grateful. That day just isn't good for me that, you know, mm-hmm. like this doesn't work with my schedule. I'm a hundred percent grateful. Like you get, you get to decide what's true to you. And that's part of what that, those heart boundaries are to me is knowing like you, we each have our own reality, right. And we each have our own understanding. Like, like Sam said so beautifully, your dad is experiencing this relationship in, in real time with you for the first time (laughs) and whatever he's experiencing, he's fucking experiencing, right? Like that's, that's his journey and Mm -hmm. his journey doesn't negate yours. My dad's anger doesn't negate my needs, right? You know, like I, those things can exist at the same time. And in fact, they're way less connected than we think. Your father's um, indignation, his need to, to help in all of these ways, it's on him, right? It, you, you are your own autonomous being, whether you feel so tethered to him or not. Absolutely. And I think that those those heart boundaries that Sierra are talking about are super important in this situation. And I would actually recommend a book to you that I've recommended multiple times on the podcast, which is Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents by Lindsay C. Gibson. Yes, Gibson, um, which is a really intense title, <laughs> right? Like, like, oh, my God, do I have an emotionally immature parent? It's like, right? uh, um, hello, my book, my, my, I am the author of my, your parents were hella fucked up and so are you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but when when she talks about emotionally immature parents, it's not like, yeah. oh my God, they were like crying all the time or they were like in histrionics or like whatever. It's like, no, they, they were just people who learned how to navigate through the world in a certain way. And that that sort of inability to understand and express their own emotions like played out with their children. And um, what I love about the book is that it does exactly what Sierra was talking about, which is like, you cannot change your parents. Hopefully this book like helps you understand a little bit more where they're coming from and why they might be doing the things that they're doing. But it's really focused on and how do you change your yes. understanding of their behavior? How do you change your response to the way that they are showing up? Because that's the only thing that you can control. And it'll actually help you more than trying to get your dad to behave differently right? Like he's, he is who he is and this is how he shows up and this is how he expresses love and gratitude to you. And so how do you figure out how you can see that and also not feel like you need to do everything the way that he wants you to do it? Um, and so I would just recommend checking that out for some really concrete examples of how you can establish those heart boundaries that Sierra is talking about. Um, and I read it and it was like very illuminating for me to be like, yeah. ah, Wow. Okay. So this is, this is like normal. (laughs) This is like, it's not me. I didn't mess up this relationship with my parents. Like we just are like coming at this and like different from different worldviews. And that's why we're experiencing this conflict. Great. (laughs) I'm literally ordering it right now. (laughs) Like from what you're just saying. Um, yeah, father props. Um, we hope that this helps. Uh, I think, I guess one more thing I want to say is like, you know, especially in relation 
parental relationships that are generally deemed positive, it's really hard for our child brains to create our own truth, right? You know, because for so long, our parental figures are the ones who decide, who who tell us what real and, and what isn't real. You know, those monsters aren't real. You know, and now you have to get to you, you get you have to tell yourself like you know what I, I'm grateful. I love my father. I'm a great daughter. I just can't bring my car to the shop on this day, and <laughs> and if he's upset with me, then that is what he, that's what he's choosing. Th- those are the emotions that he has a right to, and I just have to sit with the discomfort of knowing that my truth doesn't align with his, but it's not my fault. You know. And I think mm-hmm. that's like the that is one of the life lessons I'll be learning for the rest of my life um, with my relationship with my dad. Um, and I hope I hope this helps you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing, Father Probs. We love you. Spring has sprung and summer is just around the corner. Packing your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy beach read. But wait, this year there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And get this, there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency era, historical fiction, my absolute favorite, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you will always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash just break up. Dipsystories.com slash just break up. All right, our next letter comes from Saren Nell, who is writing from The Void. My girlfriend broke up with me last Thursday. Our parting was difficult. Both my ex and I are trans. Like any trans pairing, we have our share of gender annoyance, dysphoria, and difficulties in the society of cis-stemic oppression. And I think it's fair to say that my ex was really struggling. She was trying to cope with the dysphoria that was re- being reinforced by the difficulty of accessing trans-affirming healthcare mm. and chronic body pain. I was aware of this and was ready and willing to be with her through it. Our communication was strong and deeply kind. Space was willingly given, challenging topics breached, and always in deeply affirming and kind-hearted ways. On the day of our breakup, I asked her to come over to chat through strategies for how we could better help each other in urgent times, as there had been multiple instances where she had been completely debilitated and I needed to act while managing my own baggage. Mm. This conversation was geared around topics like who is it safe to call in the situation? When you are experiencing these feelings, do you prefer to be held or given space, et cetera, et cetera. 
Suddenly, after we had navigated through this conversation to better equip us to be of help to each other, the tone shifted. She shared that her dysphoria was really overcoming her, that she was dissociating and feeling uncomfortable with folks outside of her bubble of people who had known her throughout her transition, and that the intimacy and joy of being someone's girlfriend, a term taken for granted by cis folks, had become a massive burden for her. She didn't feel like she could be a girlfriend when her dysphoria made her feel like she wasn't a girl. Mm. She explained that physical intimacy had become a trigger for her more dysphoria. I listened. I reflected what she was saying back to her. I reassured her that I didn't want to be in a partnership that made her feel distress. And we decided that we would try to preserve our tender kindness to each other, but that we would break up. Fast forward to today, and I am feeling a bit um, rankled. Let me explain. We made a concerted effort to be kind and open communicators, but our breakup came out of nowhere. There was no communicating earlier distresses, problem solving together, or exploring avenues for healing. As a trans and non-binary person, I have compassion and vengeful rage for dysphoria. Mm. I want to gather anyone reading this who has dysphoria into a deep hug and reassure them that they are valid, that these feelings can change, and that they have so many people who love them and will support them as they navigate them. I also don't believe that you can be in a mutually supportive relationship and cultivate communication if you don't broach these topics and she didn't nor did she make much space for me to talk about my dysphoria Mm. in the trans community we refer to trans folks who wish to be in partnerships with trans people as t for t but it has to be reciprocal also she had made no plan to break up she told me outright that she hadn't envisioned this would be how her day went after we said our parting words I know you can be impulsive in relationships, but seriously, there are two people's realities and feelings at stake here. And I feel like she showed mine almost no respect by admitting that she was rash in pursuing this. My feelings and the nurture and care I had poured into our connection was worth so much more than that rash act. Whether she acted in a sense of desperation or panic, a place I've been before, where you feel so bad that something has to change, your relationship is not where you take that energy. There are two hearts to consider. What's more, a few days ago, I saw her on Tinder. I get it. We all cope with relationships ending in different ways, but sometimes you need to mindlessly swipe and flirt to numb the pain. But this action throws her justification for ending the relationship into a huge gray area. Mm. I feel like her actions are not reflective of someone who is a kind communicator, who is being candid in their reasons for ending a relationship. I want an explanation. No bullshit. Help me understand why this relationship ended and tell me the truth. I want to have a relationship with this person past our romantic connection, and I don't know how to ask her for a further no-bullshit explanation without invalidating her genuinely deep, challenging mental reality. And I don't think she handled our breakup well. I think I'm also trying to say I want reparation. I'd like to know what was going on behind the scenes, what she would like to apologize for, and ways we can be healthily in connection again. How do I ask for this without being accusatory? And please, God, how do I feel angry about this? I keep making so many empathetic spaces for her behavior, and I think I deserve to be pissed, right? My friends certainly think so. The person I was falling in love with dumped me on an impulse, hoping, hopping onto dating sites when they shared that they needed to not be physically intimate and didn't communicate any of these prior and massive problems to me. I know I deserve more than this, but how do I go about cultivating healthy anger in the situation? And how do I get an explanation for what the pants was really going on? I love that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> me too. All right, Sarah Nell, thank you so much for writing um, and for so like beautifully and painfully articulating the um, 
the the desire. Yes, I was just going to say the desire for justice at the end of a relationship. Um, I, yeah, I think you articulated perfectly, and I I hate this for you. You know, people say like I love this for you. Um, I'm sorry you're going through this. Uh, it it's this is one of the most painful parts of the the breakup process to me. And Mm -hmm. um, I wrote in my notes, I wrote reparation five exclamation points because wow, (laughs) does that hit home? You know, how much do we want reparations on a relationship? Um, So I wanted to ask you quickly, Sam, in your past breakups or like in one breakup, like what would you ask for in reparations? (laughs) Um. I would ask for like my time back, my self-esteem restored, and maybe to, <laughs> maybe to be able to listen to Rihanna without thinking about this person. <laughs> I would ask for the Settlers of Catan game that he claimed was his, but that was actually that given to me a- as a Christmas present by my parents. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you know what's funny is that it's not funny at all, but like in, in, in this circumstance, like I think a past version of myself, someone at a different stage of he- healing, Sarah Nell, is that I, I would ask for an explanation. I would say like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would want, I think if I wasn't so removed from the relationship or at a different time of my healing or or whatever, I, I think I would want more explanation. But at this point, I kind of understand that my life and healing has have have gone on without knowing what the fuck they were thinking or like how they had the mm-hmm. audacity to treat me like that. Although it's mm-hmm. very natural um, to want to not just want it, but to like crave it and to feel like we need it in order to move on. Or that we deserve it. Yes. Right? That we are, we are owed it yes. um, because of all of the energy that we put into that relationship, all mm. of the kindness, the kindness that you talk about, right? All of the empathetic space that you created for this yes. person. Like at the very least, she should be telling you why she broke up with you, yeah. right? Like oh, that feels and, like and just, just like say, the base of human decency. You deserve that. Like you use the words deserved and owed. Um, and like, I think that it is a hundred percent Sarah Nell 100% deserves this. We all deserve to know why shitty things happen to us by people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we deserve that. <laughs> but are we owed it? No. Unfortunately, no. No, unfortunately, no matter how much time and love and effort we put into a relationship, um, we don't, like, it is not as reciprocal as we are led to believe, <laughs> right? Like, it is not actually... Just the way that that works, word. right? I always it's, go back exactly. To yeah, it's not. It's not just, unfortunately. And um, I mean, I wish that it was. I wish that you could be like, you could like sue her or something and be like, <laughs> <laughs> like, here's my list of grievances. Uh, how does it compare? And so, what do I get when my grievances are worse than hers? Um, but that's that's not the reality. There is no court of love. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. Really? You didn't? Okay. No, it's fine. (laughs) It's only fine because I only 10% know what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) So like maybe somebody else out there will get that reference, but it's not me, girl. It's not me. No, like a court of law. No, there's no court of love. You know what I mean? Like, like there's no, there's no judge. There's no jury. I I stand by my original reaction that it was just Uh, okay. (laughs) 
All right, everyone. I need um, affirming messages in my DMs that you thought that was funny because Sierra didn't give it to me. I so. thought it was fine. It was good. I was uh, okay. Um, well, you know, I'm going to follow that by literally stealing one of your ideas. <laughs> um, you, Sam, wrote on another letter, like uh, you know, in reading letters, I saw another a theme um, with. With one other letter writer, I don't know if you'll remember it, but they they were writing about how they felt like um, they didn't know how to make space for both their anger and their understanding. And so I literally wrote the quote that you wrote on top of the page (laughs) in my notes. I literally am perfect. uh, Plagiarizing Sam Blackwell. Um, Sam Blackwell Mm -hmm. once said that grace (laughs) does not equal not feeling upset. So giving mm. person, he goes mm, to himself. <laughs> that was a good one. I, that was profound. Yeah. Well, it was, though, because I think that especially in the head and heart work world, in progressive circles that, you know, um, believe in restorative justice and um, radicalizing not only uh, the spaces we inhabit and um, pushing against the uh systemic oppression that's all around us but also radicalizing the way in which we interact as partners as as humans you know in those spaces it's i think sometimes we we work so hard to validate everyone's experiences that we that that the it feels as though the space for our own anger or our space for the space for the parts of our souls and bodies that don't want to understand, you know, mm-hmm, feels mm-hmm. really lessened and 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 suppressed, right? Um, but I think it, it it's it's especially important in 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 a scenario like this one that you make a lot of space for what you feel because your feelings right now are telling you something that this is not how you want to be treated and that you Mm -hmm. have a right to your anger. You have a right to your anger and you can understand all of the reasons why your partner or your ex may have been feeling stressed, right? You can understand Mm -hmm. all of the reasons why that your partner um, would require extra, extra support, um, extra compassion and give yourself just as much compassion or more. Mm-hmm. Does that absolutely. all make sense? I, I... No, it, it absolutely makes sense. And I think it behooves us, it actually makes us better head and heart workers when we, when we do create an understanding and a grounding of ourselves and our feelings and like the, the space that we need to take up in our relationships. And, and I think like exactly what Sierra said, like I think that we have this sort of like impulse to create space for everyone and create space for everyone's sort of experience of the world. And that is great. That's what we should be doing, but we shouldn't also be doing it at the expense of our own understanding of ourselves and our experiences, right? Like that doesn't actually serve anyone well, because exactly what I think you're talking about, um, Sarah Nell here is that like, we can create so much space for someone and have it go poorly. And then just all we feel, all we are left with is resentment, right? Mm. Like, like this idea of like, I created all of this space for you. I constantly diminished my own feelings. I didn't talk about my dysmorphia because I knew that you were experiencing yours. Like, and that's not where healthy relationships come mm. from, right? Like that is, that is not actually you being in a relationship with someone. That is just you creating a lot of space for them. And then when they utilize that space, like then we feel 
resentment. Mm. And I'm not saying like, I'm not trying to blame you for this situation at all. I am trying to, to encourage you to approach new relationships, understanding, like learning from this experience and understanding that like you are allowed to take up space in relationship. You are allowed to be completely understanding. We're going to talk about this a lot in the next letter too. So just get get ready for it. But Buckle up. You are, you are allowed to, you are allowed to have feelings even as you are making space for other people's feelings, right? You are allowed to be upset and annoyed and have your own issues and, and want them to be seen and validated while you are also seeing and validating the issues of your partner. And good, healthy relationships aren't about the erasure of self. Like being a good progressive isn't about the erasure of me, right? Like it is about how do I show up in spaces mindful of my own experiences and my own needs so that I don't exercise them in ways that harm others. And that is what I want you to sort of take away from this relationship is that like, yes, you have the right to be indignantly angry. You have the right to, to ask for being seen and validated in relationship. You have the right to say like, I can understand that you were hurting, but I am also hurt now. And both of those things can be true at the same time because erasing ourselves doesn't make anything better. It just, it just makes things worse, <laughs> right? Like it just, it, yeah. it, what I'll say is that it disempowers us to actually be healthy and in relationship with other people. It takes away all of our autonomy. Um, So yes, I can also understand why your girlfriend broke up with you. I can understand why she didn't expect to do it that day. Like I've been in that situation where it's like, oh, I can't, I can't handle this in this moment. Or like, wow, this is a surprising feeling that has come up for me. And I can also acknowledge that's a shitty way to break up with someone, right? Mm. I can, and both of those things can be true at the same time. And, and until we get to the point where we can recognize that, and I say this also as a person who is very good at folding myself up and like not taking up a lot of space, but until we can recognize that we can't get into the healthy, happy relationships. We can't sort of move into that, that sort of next space without first unfolding ourselves and asking for more space. Hmm. Wow. I did not see that coming in a really good way. <laughs> well, cause I, I just think that like you, you delved into this letter, just like a step farther too. And, and highlighted something that I think a lot of us are guilty of, which is over giving mm-hmm. with the anticipation of reciprocation, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then, and, and how you, as you said, how that turns into, I guess it's how that turns into resentment. It's all built on this idea that relationships are fair. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I, and I, and I was sitting here as you were talking, I was thinking like, I was, I was thinking about the breakup that you described. Cause you were like, I understand how and why she broke up with you this way. And in my mind, I was like, I don't, <laughs> you know, um, but mostly because I was clinging to the same things that the letter writer is, you know, that how unjust it is, how unfair, mm-hmm. you know, how, how the last time I was dumped, I, oh my God, last time I was dumped, I called my ex up and I said, just so you know, it it's, I don't like, I basically said like, it's really manipulative and confusing and hurtful to tell somebody that you want to marry them and like break up with them like a couple weeks later, you know, like, don't do that again. And he's like, you're right. You're right. That was really bad. But like, 
that didn't make me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't make me, it, you know, like speaking just justice into the abyss that is relationships and humans interacting. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't make my heart feel better. Cause he was like, you're right. I'll never do that again. And I was like, but me, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like, what about me? What did you do to me? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and, and then, so I thought, I thought about, this is all while you were talking, <laughs> I thought about the word fair and how I thought the way that Saranel was dumped was unfair, mm-hmm. but like, is it unfair? Like, I guess what I want to say finally is things are only unfair in, in the realm in which we believe in fairness, in which we believe in equal reciprocity, right? But that's just not how he, who humans are. Mm-hmm. And so me, the person who's so deeply moved by words and deeply moved by like shifts in perspectives, my final piece of advice would be, would be to say, don't look at this relationship and look for it to be fair or unfair. Mm-hmm. Just look at it for what it is. This was hurtful, mm-hmm. right? It, did you, you didn't deserve mm-hmm. it. And um, you don't want to repeat. It sucks, right? <laughs> you know, like all of these things are true. Um, everything that your partner said, you know, like what they're experiencing is real. Your pain at, the, at what they're experiencing and how they took it out on you is mm-hmm. real. But if we, if we, I get, let's take away the lens of fairness. Let's stop expecting our interactions to feel fair. I'm not asking us to like not get our needs met or not have our feelings reciprocated. You yeah. know, like we all deserve to, to get what we need out of our relationships. But I am asking us to stop looking for for human act interactions, particularly romantic ones, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Because they will never be fair. Yep. Absolutely. Maybe that's very pes- pessimistic, but I'm going to no, stick with it. No, they will never be fair. Um, and I think actually, Sarah, now, like, I think that the advice that Sierra talked about with her dad is actually something that I hope that you heard, which is like, it's not about doing things for your partner and then expecting them to practice gratitude in the way that you want them to, right? Like if that's why you are being kind and creating space for your partner, then like you're setting yourself up for failure because like, that's not, that's not how humans work. But if you treat it like the way that your dad, that Sierra thinks about her dad and saying like, I am doing this because I want to, right? Like I am doing this because I am Mm -hmm. creating, because I want to show my love in this way. And I'm not expecting him to return this in exactly the way that I want to, but it's because I love him. And, and I am, I am using my autonomy and my choice to make decisions about how I show up for him and support him and Mm. love him. Right. That's also how I think we need to be approaching relationships, romantic relationships too, is that like, I don't think we should be looking at relationships as like piggy banks in which we like put quarters in and then we get to get them out later. Right. Like it is more about like a communal pool, right? Like we put money in and that money gets used in the way that it gets used. And we don't expect our share back in return with interest, but instead just say like, I am doing this out of, because I love this group of people and I want to see them happy. And I know that I will be fulfilled in other ways as well, but it's not like a tit for tat quid pro quo, I put all of this energy into this relationship and therefore I get to expect this in return. 
Well, I think what's interesting is that I, that's what Saranel and their partner were actually trying to cultivate from at least the brief description we read. Yep. But then that idea of this, of that communal pool that they were trying, you know, that Saranel thought they were cultivating... Mm-hmm. The idea of that was shattered when it was like everything that uh, Saranel had deposited was then erased, you know, like like her girl, her ex-girlfriend, like tapped out that bank Mm -hmm. account and left her on empty. And that's where that feeling of literally being robbed. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like literally you feel like, wait, 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 wait. I had credit. You know, I had I had savings in this. And now you're just going to take everything Mm -hmm. from me. And. This the sad answer is like yes, mm-hmm. and we can't get it back. We can never get that right. back. And I guess there's n- literally no comfort in that, other than knowing it, other than saying it out loud and saying, "I put all that energy into that relationship, um, and I'm not going to get it back. Uh, I'm not going to get an exclamation. I'm not going to reparation." Next time around, you know, you can manifest things the way Sam said, which is that making sure that you're advocating for yourself as much as you are um, expending so much time um, and emotional bandwidth for your partner. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what, that sucks. Like (laughs) this person, like basically like, (laughs) I'm just like reminded about like how much breakup sucks every week. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And, and so again, you have the right to feel angry about this. You have the right to understand what your partner did and why they did it, or also not understand why your partner, what your partner did and why they did it. And, and just decide that this is looking at it again, sort of from a, from a facts on the ground perspective of like, yes, this Mm. is what this is. Um, It's unfair. It hurts. And also I can understand why they were feeling so awful. And also I can't understand why they're now on Tinder. And like all of those things are yeah. reality. All of those things are very true. And just because they seem like they're incongruous doesn't mean that they are, right? Like you can figure out a space where all of those realities exist at the same time. And yeah. it's it's for sure challenging. And it's easier to do when you are talking into a microphone and not in the midst of an awful breakup. Oh my God. I have had nightmares about like one of us going through a breakup while doing just breakup. And I was like, I I don't ever want to experience that. Not just for the sanctity of our, both of our relationships, but like for our mental being or well-being. Um, and so, yeah, just, just know that, that we see you, we think that your pain is a hundred percent valid. We think that you are, have been wronged in this situation, even as we can create space for the fact that your partner was hurting and did things because in the best way that they could. Um, and just recognize the fact that like, this is a complicated shitty situation and that making, trying to make it simpler doesn't serve us. Right. Recognizing the complexity is what is going to actually help us move forward. I love that. Last thing. Oh my God. Put space block. Don't try to be (laughs) friends right now. Not even going to get into that. Just like listen to the other hundred episodes, like put some space between you and them right now. You don't need to be there for her. That's That's not your job anymore. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, We love you so much. Um, We hope this makes you feel a little bit more um, righted um, or, or validated and a little bit less alone. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing.
Hey, side note, um, something in Sarenelle's letter, uh, like while you were reading it, made me stop and think. In past episodes, maybe like 100 episodes ago, um, you and I talked about the word partner. And I talked about how I think we both felt this way, that like it's a complicated word for us because we felt as though um, it had been co-opted as like Mm -hmm. a heterosexual word Mm -hmm. um, and that it no longer signified what we wanted it to or whatever. And I've always like... V- vas- vacillated is that the word <laughs> vaselined i vaselined between it you know uh-huh. <laughs> um oh is it oscillated yeah. <laughs> there is like vas- uh, vacillate might be a word yeah i think so right anyway <laughs> um anyway but like uh Sarenelle pointing out like the inherent um uh, like cisgenderedness and girlfriend and boyfriend, mm-hmm. like it's so obvious, but I don't know why it didn't, it didn't click to me that, I don't know, just probably my own cis privilege, but um, it made me realize that I'm just going to stick with partner because yeah. that is a, my, I guess my queer discomfort about like my queer validity is not as important as creating um, a more uni- a universal word, mm-hmm. I guess, or, I don't For know. sure. And I think, yeah, I mean, my sis privilege is like, oh, yeah, it could be very empowering to use the word girlfriend or boyfriend as, as opposed yeah. to partner, um, which, again, is like, let people make their own decisions about how they identify and like what words they want to use in their relationships. And I think our job is to just to believe people in how they identify and how they use those words mm. and not think that we are owed an explanation for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a more eloquent way of saying what I was thinking. I think the the biggest thing I wanted to share is like that that very privileged revelation of like, wow, my 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 irk my irksomeness of the word partner like was overlooking the in the blatantly gendered nature of girlfriend and <laughs> yeah, boyfriend. Yeah, for you sure. know. Um. Anyway, so I'll have to sit with that and think about it. Okay, let's get into our last letter. This is from Hopelessly Devoted, who is writing to us from the communal shithole that is 2020. We got this last month. (laughs) (laughs) Dear Sam and Sierra, a.k.a. my cool older siblings, I'm a 22-year-old cisgendered bisexual woman asking for guidance. Also, I guarantee this letter is about to become a stream of consciousness diary entry, so buckle up. (laughs) We're ready. We're buckled. We're buckled. Um, I'm in a two-year relationship with a man. Let's call him Nick, like from New Girl, because maybe that's who he is as a person. He is charm. Just time out for a second. Nick is the character of Nick on on New Girl is the person Willow and I would have a threesome with if we could handpick someone out of the universe. <laughs> that's legit. <laughs> Yeah, that or the general from Mulan, which Willow watched for the first time last night. <laughs> Hottest Disney prince. It's it's very true. Ever. It is that's very true. Okay. Um, okay, Nick is charming, charismatic, goofy, and loves me in a way that is more vulnerable than any other man I've been with. He is also depressed, anxious, grouchy, and like many men, seem to struggle with empathy unless looking at something he has personally experienced. 
When we first met, I think I told him I loved him within three weeks, which shocked and honestly embarrassed me because I'm typically an avoidant attachment style. Some days he is the love of my life, the man I want to grow old with. Other days I feel that perhaps we are just too incompatible. Normally, if I have any doubts, I just leave. But Nick is different. I feel like I'm constantly jumping between two stories of our relationship and don't know which one to believe. For some context, since the beginning of our relationship, his dad has been dying of cancer. His parents split up right before we met as well. His mom cheated on his literally dying father. And during the last two years, I have watched him negotiate a custody battle between his parents for his younger siblings. His family is exhausting and codependent, and I'm usually fairly good at staying out of things and simply supporting him through it. But with everything else that has happened this year, I'm starting to lose stamina. It feels like every day has been a bad day for one reason or the other. And I feel like such a horrible person for saying it, but I'm tired of things going wrong for him in the, for the most selfish reasons. I'm tired of my boyfriend being grouchy. I am tired of him only wanting to play video games all the time because he lost his job and is too depressed about his family to do anything else. When we first met, he was up for anything. He would take a road trip to the beach and sleep in the car with me. On our first Valentine's Day, he took me to the to Monterey to see the aquarium for the weekend. I know it was the honeymoon period, but it feels like more than that. Now he is just apathetic and doesn't want to do anything or plan anything. He has too much anxiety about money to even save try saving for a trip together. I don't know what to do. Again, I'm so torn between two different narratives. I know we should never date the past or the future, but to leave someone just because they are depressed and literally mourning, pre-mourning, question mark, there should be a word for the buildup leading to knowing someone is going to die. To leave that person seems so selfish and impatient. I also want to think that someday things will finally calm down and we will have a stable, wonderful life together. But I know that life always throws you another wave, so you should choose to be with the person who's swimming to a technique you respect. I think my question is more for Sam, or I guess Peter, really. How do you stand by someone through crisis? How long is too long? Is there such thing as too long? I feel like my letter has not done justice at clarifying that Nick is genuinely a wonderful person, and when he is having a good day, the world shines. Sam, I'm sure you were not the best version of yourself when processing your father's passing. I'm terribly sorry for your loss. And I want to believe that as time passes, Nick will be the better version of himself. But also, sometimes I worry that his dad will pass and he will stop fighting. Or worse, his dad will pass and he will find something else to have a bad day Mm. about. Is there anything I can do? Do I need to call him out for possibly processing his grief in an unhealthy way, or is that insensitive to his situation? Sierra recently told a letter writer that it is okay for us to be mad at our partners, and that really struck a chord with me. I have been trying to speak my truth to him more often, but to toss in some old unhealthy behavioral patterns, I grew up with an older brother with severe mood disorders and was essentially the forgotten child. So when anything traumatic or stressful is going on, I have a really hard time allowing my experience to be seen. 
Sorry this was so long-winded. This really did turn into a diary entry. Thank you all so, so much for everything you do. You too, Spencer. You are my drive to and from work and many of my lunch breaks. Oh, Mm -hmm. I love that. You are also the reason I've gotten better at texting my mom back and why I can hold a conversation with my dad even though I've had a bad day. Like I said, avoid an attachment in the house. If this ends up getting on the podcast, shout out to the friend who showed me this wonderful world of head and heart work. Oh, I love so many of those last (laughs) sentences. Um, Okay, Hopelessly Devoted, we love you. We love your friend. um, And we love all these newfound um, boundaries or ways that you're showing up for yourself. Um, And yeah, thanks for listening and for for being so honest in this beautiful diary entry. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. the first thing that I would say to you, and I, I don't want the, this is not a recommendation. This is just a statement of fact um, that as someone who has struggled with an avoidant attachment style n- would need to hear in this situation, um, you can break up with this person for whatever reason you want to, right? Like you are allowed, <laughs> Out the yeah, right? gate. <laughs> you are allowed to break up with this person if, if with Nick, if you don't want to be with him anymore and we're going to get a lot of letters and DMS about that. Um, because people don't like it when I tell people that they're allowed to break up with people if they, if, even if that person is hurting, but you're allowed to, like you have the, you have the choice to break up with this person. Like I said, this is not a recommendation. This is just a statement of fact, because sometimes for me, when I'm feeling overwhelmed with the things that my partner is going through, I have to remind myself that I'm not forced into this situation, I have autonomy in it. I am choosing to Mm. show up every day, even though things are hard, right? I'm not forced to do it. And that for me is really empowering to remember. I'm every day I make the choice to continue to be in partnership with this person. And I, and so the pain that I am feeling, I am taking on as an, as a wittingly or as a person who knows what's going on and I'm doing it with autonomy. I am choosing to sit in this hurt and pain because I love this person deeply and I don't have to, it's not required of me, but I'm doing it because I want to. And so that is the only, that's just how I wanted to start this conversation because I want to put to rest this idea that you are afraid that you're a horrible selfish person for thinking about wanting to break up with this person. You are not a horrible selfish person. You are allowed to do that. You are allowed to exercise those thoughts. And those thoughts actually help us make more intentional decisions about how we want to show up. So that's good. I'm glad that you're having those thoughts about it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to add another just like statement, not like swinging you one way or another, just like this is just a statement. Um, You wrote in your letter twice, like that there's two different stories that you're living or use the phrase two different narratives. And I want to flip it you're thinking on that. This is one narrative. Mm-hmm. This is one life, one relationship that you are experiencing that contains contradicting experiences. Yep. That the, there's there's not a I wouldn't even say that I mean like I know I know what you mean when you say there are good days and bad days or like when he's in a good mood. I I, I know that life, right? I've I've lived that life. But but I want you to remind yourself I this is one relationship. This is my one mm-hmm. life. This is one person who is making me feel feel these contradicting experiences. Yep. I think if we if we can if you continue with the the idea that this is two different narratives or two different stories, then it makes it feel as though 
you you could easily get moved onto one path or the mm-hmm. other instead of realizing it's just one. You're on this path. This is the path you've yep. chosen. There's not choosing the good path or choosing the bad mm-hmm. path. You're on the path that contains Absolutely. both. And I, the other thing that I just want to say to you is, is that you, you know, you say like with all of this going on, you feel like you're losing stamina. And I just want to say, yep, <laughs> you, you are. are. This is a lot to, this is a lot to handle. Your, your boyfriend's right. father is dying. Your boyfriend is going through a messy divorce. Your boyfriend is unemployed and is experiencing depression. We are in a pandemic. pandemic. We are in a, com- <laughs> like a constant election cycle. We are in a reckoning about white supremacy. We are in the reality of climate change. We had a literal insurrection like two weeks ago. Like, yeah. No, you have, of course you're losing stamina. This is an immense yeah. amount of stress that you are under, that that collectively we are under. And I think it's important for us to recognize that like the la- the feeling that I think a lot of us are feeling right now of like losing stamina, of feeling like, oh my God, how much more is expected of me is valid is a hundred percent right. It is rooted in the collective trauma that we are all going through right now. And also rooted in the trauma that we are experiencing individually and in relationship with Mm -hmm. people. So yeah, like, yes, of course you feel like you can't go any further. I think about the the term compassion fatigue. That's like often used Mm -hmm. for people in the healthcare field, but also like, um, in social work, um, the idea of somebody in a caregiver role is who's constantly coping with crisis or coping with mental illness. Um, they, they're always thinking about the way to care for others or to keep other people safe or keep other people um, supported that they neglect their own self or their own self care mm-hmm. or, or whatever it, it they're neglecting. You're neglecting yourself, yep. you know, even the mental gymnastics that you're doing to wonder what is your valid inherent right to be happy in this relationship. The, the gymnastics that you're doing to like decide whether you're a bad person or not. That's like, that's decentering your own, happiness Mm -hmm. right that's that's prioritizing other people's um needs over your own and your tank's running on Mm -hmm. empty like your your compassion is you are experiencing burnout or compassion fatigue or fucking zoom fatigue or whatever it (laughs) is today Mm -hmm. you know um and if if you keep running on empty you are going to find yourself unable to support someone, even if you want to be with them, you know, which is, which is why one of my big pieces of advice, um, is just to give you explicit permission that you are allowed to seek out things that make you feel good (sighs) and not just to seek them out, but to prioritize Mm -hmm. them. Right. You are, you are, allowed to actually no not just allowed to it is imperative Mm. that you seek out things that make you feel good that fill up that inner reservoir of resilience within you so that you can not only keep on taking care of your partner um and your relationship if you choose to do Mm. so but you can take care of yourself absolutely yeah i think that that hits the nail on the head that um you know having 
been the person who was grieving for 18 months Mm -hmm. and then being the person who is married to the person who is grieving. Um, Right. Because my dad died. And then 18 months later, Peter's mom passed away very unexpectedly. Um, I just want to say like, yeah, this is such a shitty place to be. It is um, having experienced both of them in rapid succession. Mm. I would say that being the partner of someone who is grieving is almost just as hard as being the person who is Mm. grieving because because it feels unjustified for you to be so upset and so in pain when you are not the like the first ring person around the person who right and the person who who passed away or who is imminently going to pass away it feels like you are so close to that ring and yet you are like objectively not in it. Um, and it feels, it's just so hard to watch someone that you love hurting so deeply, being so depressed, being so unable to like get up or wanting to play video games all day because they're so upset. And, and it's hard, it's hard to watch that. And it's hard to feel like, Oh my God, all I want is that person back. Like the person that, the, the happy person, like the person who I fell in love with and is, is, right. was happy and like wanted to do all of these things with me. Like I feel that so hard. And also you are allowed to feel annoyed by that. You are allowed to feel angry for it. You are allowed to feel the legitimate pain that comes from losing someone close to you, right? Your, 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 de- your boyfriend's father and losing the person that you created a relationship with right like this person has drastically changed now and it's okay to like mourn for the fact that things are so different it's okay to feel annoyed or upset right and it doesn't make you a horrible person it just makes you a human who is experiencing an immense amount of grief and mourning and change in your own life and in the life of somebody who you who you deeply love I think that's so profound and I'm I'm so grateful for you sharing that experience and and just articulating that we aren't bad people for wishing things to be better mm-hmm. or wishing things to be back to the way they are. You know, I think about moments in my life in which my loved ones or dear friend or, or what, or anything were struggling and how much truly like self-loathing I felt mm-hmm. for the internal whispers of like, Oh, I don't want this to happen. I don't want this to be this yeah. way because yeah. I think our self-loathing tells us we want it to be easy and we want it to be back to where life was like good again. You know, mm-hmm. like our self-loathing creates that into a narrative that is just like, we're a lazy piece of yep. shit that doesn't care about our friends. You know, that's not it. It is such a innocent beautiful and valid desire to want things to be good again or like easy or back to the way they were, you know, like I'm just realizing now how much, um, how much I've beat myself up for having similar feelings for different circumstances like Mm -hmm. that. So I'm grateful that you articulated that. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important for you to recognize hopelessly devoted that you are also mourning right now. And and I don't think that I really truly understood that until I was on the other side of this this situation where my partner was going mm. through significant grief. I was right. Because I think the impulse is like, well, she wasn't my mom. Like I'm not like, I'm not right. mourning. Like I, I met her multiple times and like loved her, but 
but like I didn't grow up with her. Like, yeah, it's not your parent, but like mm-hmm. the, I had to recognize that like what I wasn't actually mourning was necessarily my mother-in-law. What I was mourning was the reality, the way in which my reality changed wow, and the reality of our Sam. relationship changed because of the the loss of this beautiful, wonderful person. Right. Like, yes, it wasn't like, oh, I, I miss this person deeply. It's like, yeah, I do miss this person. And I also am mourning the fact that my partner has to go through something so horribly. Like, wow. And then that clicked for me in those moments because then it was like, oh, and so now I, now that I recognize I do have a right to mourn, now I can recognize oh that God, I, yes. like the feelings that I'm feeling around pain, around anger, around, um, around sadness, around a general just like over okay. it, right? Like numb even are all valid right. because like, yes, I'm going through, I have gone through a profound change in my life, even if it wasn't because right. my mom died, but it was because my partner's mom died. Right. And it's, and so all of the feelings that are associated with those, all of the feelings that I went through when my dad died, it's like, yep, yep. These are all, these wow. are all them. Here they are. I just got <laughs> profoundly emotional. Like I just burst into tears when you said that in a way that I have never on this podcast. And honestly, I just want to say it, it. I think it's because so many people are going to be touched and empowered by what you just shared. Like how real that is and what a radical form of self-acceptance that is to, to, to let your, to see what you're grieving mm-hmm. and allow yourself to grieve yes. that. Um, I think one of the biggest ways we hurt ourselves habitually is to not validate anything that we're experiencing. You know, like we love to censor ourselves. We love to limit and punish ourselves. And what, and I just, what you just said, like hit me like a ton of bricks and just thinking like, what a profound um, and beautiful thing to share that was. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you for, for saying that. Um, yeah. Well, I had to explain why I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't ask questions oh, anymore. Oh, it hit me like a sack of bricks when you said it. I was like, Ooh. oh my God. Um, Okay, so back to you, hopelessly devoted. Um, I hope that what Sam and I have said is at least giving you permission to acknowledge what you're feeling in this and to know that you're not like a selfish, worthless being. You know, you are a loving, capable, compassionate human who's in a really shitty situation, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I don't know what your relationship holds for you, but I do know that the one ingredient that will be necessary to for a sustained future is going to be some level of honesty. And I'm going to look to you, Sam. I have never been in this situation. My partner's parents are alive. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never had to grieve somebody in partnership like this. But I feel like if Hopelessly Devoted wants this relationship to, if if she decides this is where she wants to stay, you know, then there has to be, there can, I guess is what I'm trying to get at is there can be boundaries and change and honesty, even in hard Mm -hmm. times, right? Yes. Like your boyfriend is going through a hard time right now, but he can be pushed. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think hopelessly devoted, what is also really challenging about the situation, at least it, it is for me, is that like, even recognizing the fact that I am concurrently 
grieving, right? Like we're grieving mm-hmm. at the same time. Currently <laughs> grieving. Yep. 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 Um, is that the person that I would rely on in my grief is, is grieving mm. more profoundly than I am, right? Is grieving at, let's just say like grieving in a different way than I am. Um, and that's really challenging, right? Like when the person that you rely on to, to take care of you and support you when you are feeling down is also feeling really down. It is, it's incredibly challenging. Um, and frustrating, just like, just so frustrating. Um, so what I would encourage you to do is to seek out those people who you can talk to about the situation and give yourself permission to talk about it without mitigating the things that you're feeling because your partner has it quote unquote, has it worse, right? Like it is okay for you to complain about the way that he is behaving in this situation, even though you know that he's profoundly hurt. It's okay for you to call up wow. your friend and say, he won't get off the fucking couch. Like he won't get off the couch. And I just don't know what to do because that's the reality. He's on the fucking couch and you don't mm. know what to do. Like that pretending like, mm-hmm. again, grace is not being upset or grace is not not being upset, right? Like that is not what we're asking for here. It's okay to be frustrated that this is happening. It's okay to be upset that this is happening. It's okay so not like the way that your partner is grieving, honestly, like it's okay. Right. I think, and I think if you can find healthy places for you to put, to vent some of that frustration or to put some of that anger or that, um, that pain that you're feeling, it's, you are, you are absolutely within your rights to look for that. And I would recommend it for you because you don't have that person who you would normally put those things in. Like that person is not able to receive the things that you're feeling and is at the center of them. Mm. So who can you talk to? Do you have a therapist that you can, can talk to in this? Um, I know that you all are, are experiencing like financial issues. Um, but if you can Mm -hmm. find someone on a sliding scale or, or what have you, that would be great. Or just like a friend or a loved one that you have there where you can, can just be like, Hey, can I just, vent for a while and I need you to just hear me and not mm-hmm. not try and make things better but just like this is really hard what I'm going through um I would also say I have to remind myself every single day right now that I it's not my job to make Peter not sad mm. it's not that's not that's not what being in partnership wow, is. I would have a really hard time <laughs> yeah. with that it's fucking hard. Don't get me wrong. Um, like mm. that's why I have to remind myself of it every day, mm-hmm. but it's not your job to make your partner feel better. It's not your job to get him out of his depression. It is not your job to make him get off the couch and do and not play video games. It's mm. not your job to make him to make his dad not dying. Like it is your job right now to take care of yourself, to take care of him as he's going through this but you can't make him not sad. You can't, there is nothing you can do. There is no amount of folding that you can do, or there are no amount of dishes that you can wash or times you can say, I love you to him. That is going to make him not sad because this is just a profoundly sad thing that he is going through. And that sucks. Like that is such a hard place to be because all we want, like, at least I'll say this for myself. All I want is for Peter to be happy. Like that is literally all that I want. And it's, it's hard to sit in the situation and and watch him be sad and know like he needs to be sad. He needs to be sad in this moment. And how do you, I'm going to ask a deeply personal question, (laughs) but how how do you, because I think that's what, what, 
what she really needs to hear is, how do you ask for what you need while someone is deeply sad? You mm-hmm. know how, and that's, I mean, this could be stamped, copied and stamped on so many different relationships. Yep. How do we, how do we get our needs met when our partner is experiencing like body dysmorphia? Mm-hmm. How do we get our needs met when our partner is you know, stressed because they don't have any money and they lost their job. Mm -hmm. How do we get our need? How do we make space for ourselves when the other people's needs and hurt is so much bigger? You know, I would say that finding a place for those needs to be met outside of, of your (laughs) situation, right? Like, yeah, I can't, I think that's right now. I can't expect Peter to help me through my grief around my dad. Right. Like I can't, I mean, I could now, but like in the the first, <laughs> the first months after his mom died, like that was it. It was like, okay, well, it feels like my grief right. is now on pause. Um, and, and so that's why I found a new therapist. Cause like also my therapist died around the same time <laughs> my mother-in-law died as a reminder yeah, to people yeah, that yeah, like, that yeah, was the yeah, shithole yeah. that <laughs> happened at the same time. Um, finding a therapist was like, I need someone, I need to find a resource for myself to Mm -hmm. do this. I had to, I've also had to like take time away from the, from the relationship, right? Like not, not the relationship, but like even in this pandemic, finding ways that I can create space for myself um, has been super important to me. And just recognizing that like Peter is not super equipped right now to be able to take care of my needs. And so it's, it's up to me. Like it's honestly up to me to take care of some of those needs and that won't be forever. Right. Because I know that Peter and I are in this partnership for a very long time. Right. Like mm-hmm. I know that things will get better. And right now my job is to create enough space between me and him, enough boundaries between me and him that I can take care of myself because I know that he can't do it for me. And that's yeah. hopefully in six months. I mean, even now, like, right. Even six months after his mom has passed, like we're in a different place than we were in August, right? right? Like he is much right. more equipped to be able to like be in a co-partnership with me. But right. f- during that time I had to, I had to be like, I'm not going to get my needs met right now because, because of this horrible thing that happened, right? Like not because like Peter's a yeah. bad partner or like not because, not because like we're not, both showing up in this relationship in a meaningful way, but because the situation around us is so shitty that both of us aren't getting our needs met because our needs would be for his mom to not be dead. Right. Like that's what would solve this problem. And so recognizing like, you just got to weather the storm. This is impacting you as well. Like you are in this too. You are in this awful situation as well. And it's up to you because you love and you love this person and you're in partnership with them and horrible things that happen to you means that horrible things are also happening or horrible things that happen to them are also horrible things that happen to you, that you are in partnership in this grief and you are not, you are both not doing a great job of taking care of each other or yourselves right now, because that's what grief is. That is literally what grief is. I guess just the one last thing that I'll say is that like, I think it's important for us to recognize that you are grieving in this process too, because I want you to shift your expectation of, of what health looks like in this moment too, right? Like when my dad passed, my therapist told me like, this is not a time for self-growth. This is a time for self-maintenance, right? Like your job is to get to tomorrow. It is not to like 
to, wow. to develop like some sort of pithy and pro- profound understanding of like what it means to have your father die. Right. Like that's not, that's not our goal right now. Our goal is for you to get through this day and then wake up tomorrow. Like that's, that's basically it. Um, and I want you to understand that that might be the goal of your relationship right now, because you are in sort of this profound moment of grief and mourning. Maybe your, your goal right now in relationship is not to have beautiful honeymoon stuff, but literally to get to tomorrow in the expectation, right? Like that tomorrow will be maybe a little easier and the next day will be maybe a little easier. But, but I think it's really important for you to understand that this relationship is going through grief together and that the maintenance of this relationship might be the only thing that you need to work on in this moment in the hope of getting it and that sort of understanding of getting it to a different place in the future. And it'll Mm. be up to you to decide this isn't getting anywhere fast enough or like this is asking more than I'm willing to, to give in order to get it to the next day. And that's okay. But relationships like people go through ebbs and flows of sort of the, the vibrancy of them and the, the self-maintenance of them, right? Like the sad days of them. And so yes, that's so real. I want you to relieve yourself of the expectation that it has to be a honeymoon, that it has to be perfect, that if it's not, then you're unhappy, right? You can still love this man and you can find joy in the moments of happiness instead of the days of happiness. And, and that is also okay. Hopelessly devoted, we love you. We we see you in this um, very stressful time, and we're really grateful that you wrote in. Absolutely, thank you so much. I wish you all the best. We hope this helps. We love you. All right, this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. Every show, we want to shout out something we want to set you up with. This week, we're sending you home with an episode of a podcast, um, unlocking us with Brene Brown. <laughs> we know and love Brene Brown. Um, this was actually sent to me by a coworker. And so I listened to it on a walk recently and it was just one of those moments where you're like, Mm. where you just have your like mindset profoundly changed in like a very impactful way. It's the episode with, um, Austin Channing Brown, who wrote the book, I'm still here, black dignity in a world made for whiteness. Um, and they have this, they, the conversation actually happened, um, immediately after the murder of George Floyd. Um, and mm-hmm. sort of when all of the unrest was happening, um, and it was just a profound conversation that that like that really shifted a, a number of things for me, particularly around like proximity and my understanding as a white person of the of what proximity to difference means and what what the benefit of it is, um, and sort of shifting it for me and saying like. Proximity is not the the salve to our racism, right? Like being around mm-hmm. uh, people of color, being around black people, being around indigenous people, like doesn't, doesn't actually do anything. And instead, what needs to happen is that like we need to be doing the work as white folks or as folks who are not black, right? <laughs> in this moment, in this moment of very intense anti-blackness um, to be doing the work And then from that work, we will have proximity, right? Like it is not up Mm. to us to be proximate first. It is up to us to do the work. And then through the work, we'll, we'll be able to be in relationship with people with, with black folks who are doing the actual work. Right. And I, it was just like a profound shift for me that like diversity isn't the solution to the problem. Diversity is something that we should be celebrating when it is actually like meaningful, (laughs) 
Right. right. And it was just like such an amazing, amazing shift for me. Um, and I loved every moment of it. Obviously, Brene Brown is, is just such a delightful person to listen to. Um, and Austin Channing Brown is an amazing activist and writer. Um, so check that out. It's Unlocking Us with Brene Brown episode with Austin Channing Brown on I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com. This is the only place that we answer your questions. Sometimes you can DM us like check-in topics like today, but if you want your letter answered, you got to do it through the website. This is also where you can find our merchandise and tickets to our Valentine's Day virtual live show happening on Saturday, February 13th at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. You can get your tickets at the website. Please also click that follow button so that you can get a new episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. You also can submit letter or questions there and have a higher chance of Mm -hmm. having your letter read. Uh, That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend, Big Cats, a.k.a. Spencer. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, there is no growth without change. There is no change without loss and no loss without some level of pain, no matter how minute. Give yourself grace. Allow yourself to mourn. Acknowledge your feelings. And when you're ready... Welcome this new, bold chapter of your life. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>